Welcome back. These weeks are passing by super quickly and it seems like just yesterday when I uploaded the last episode. Just wanted to say thanks for stopping by and all of our technical difficulties that I've been yammering on about (laughs) since the last two episodes are finally resolved and I'm very happy to announce that we're finally a normal functioning operation. Yippee. Uh, Today I'm going to be tracing around Revenge of the Sith, a suggestion handed in from Anthony. But before I do, I'd just like to say thanks once again to all the feedback coming in from listeners of the podcast, many of whom are starting to trickle in from faraway places like Canada, Tucson, Arizona, uh, pockets of locations in and around Europe. It's nice to say that we're going international, baby. Uh, Don't forget you can follow the podcast at Movie Millennium Podcast on Instagram or send me a DM through my own Instagram at Ilya Merchev. Our next suggestion comes from James who requested something in and around Blade Runner, which I'm going to be doing next week. And someone from Tucson, who I've never even met, has suggested um, Devil's Advocate. Uh, which I am definitely going to do. It's a fantastic movie. Um, A listener in Portugal, an old buddy of mine, has requested... uh, Sorry, has mentioned that the last episode made his day during a road trip. Hope you're doing well and that life is breezing on. Um, Some people have asked... uh, I I, I kept meaning to do this. Uh, A lot of you have been asking where the inspiration came to start this podcast, which I'll get into now, I suppose. Um, Recently... Two young local straps, uh, Dean and Luke, who I happened to go to school with but never met. They were um, they were a year below me, I think. They recently started their own podcast called Actually Do You Know What, where they talk about topical issues through a light-hearted conversational style. Um, and I thought if they could do it, why can't I? And it's always something I wanted to do. So definitely give them a listen. This is an official shout out. Um, (laughs) they're going to have to have me on the podcast now. But anyway, this is Revenge of the Sith and the value that fathers provide. So, quick disclaimer. This isn't to say that mothers don't provide value to their children, okay? Don't jump on the bandwagon. When I was trying to craft a psychological take on this movie, which was very difficult, I hope you're giving me credit for this, I realized that all throughout the trilogy... Luke Skywalker really never questions who his mom is. Uh, He originally believes that both of his parents died when he was born, and you know, that's alright for him. But all throughout, even when he finds out who his father, Darth Vader, really is, he never stops and asks, wait, hang on, so my dad's alive, is my mom alive? Never. It just centers around the paternal figure. Now I know that these, uh, these old movies tended to portray males as the hero and females were just sort of secondary characters and when it comes to Star Wars that's pretty true uh, I think I can count the amount of females in in the original trilogy on one hand but um, like watching all of this made me go actually now that I think of it we're all told time and time again that mothers are key mother figures um, provide care They provide warmth, nourishment, uh, guidance, and also love. And just for reference, I'm a psychology student. (laughs) I I, I know, I'm like a broken record saying this. I'm a psychology student. Um, But when we study child development, it focuses heavily, if not entirely, on the relationship 
uh, or the attachment between the mother and the child. It's never the father. Um, there'll be pages and pages in the textbook about mothers and maybe like six lines on the fathers. Um, so like, for example, the impact of secure attachments between mother and child, the uh, importance of keeping healthy while pregnant. Um, but the value that fathers provide, in my opinion, has been pretty much lost. And I feel that most people may not know the value of fathers or even considered the whole thing. I never really thought about this. I never stopped to think, hang on a minute, how come a third of my textbook is about mothers and not a single thing is being said about dads? But I know that while you listening may not have had much fatherly input in your childhood, for whatever reason, uh, keep in mind that my own parents divorced and I can't say I've had much fatherly input either. And I still never consider this topic. So for me, this is pretty exciting. Um, I should also mention that the term from here on out, uh, the term father um, from here on simply just, you know, it means fatherly figure um, that may not necessarily be related because, you know, it's just my opinion, but I think a lot of people will agree with me when I say that family is really an emotional connection more so than um, like a blood relation. But, you know, interestingly, uh, when we talk about family, Ireland is a country which has seen a lot of change when it comes to the perception of what a family is. Like um, the laws in this country have changed, whereby divorce is now more possible than it ever was. Um, it's a lot less stigmatized than, let's say, 20 or even 30 years ago. Um, gay couples can now marry as well, which really changed people's views of family. Um, it's not just mother and father anymore or single parent families. There's such a thing as two moms, two dads or two non-binary parents and so on. Like, um, you know, that's a huge, huge change within the past 10, 15 years. Um, and whether as a result of these changes or not, uh, the number of families in Ireland has skyrocketed over the recent years. Well, I won't say skyrocketed, it's a large number now. Um, it's been steadily increasing um, while the number of children per family has been decreasing. Um, for reference, uh, one-parent families in 2016 stood at around 200,000, 200,000 one-parent families, the majority of whom had female parents or mothers, so like single moms, and male parents or, you know, dads, um, made up the minority of around 14%. And there are a ton of harsh statistics out there that you can read about online that actually may not represent Ireland at all, or the country that you happen to be listening from, because as I mentioned before, we're pretty international now. Um, simply because most of these types of studies are happening in the US. Like, America has such a massive... Um, influence on psychological research it's insane uh, well uh, no pun intended but you know when you read something scary like oh not having a father makes you x amount more likely to grow up to be a serial killer or dependent on drugs or in prison look it's not reflective of the whole world and it's not reflective of all people um, I mean I know many people from one parent families including myself with their own circumstances, who are all um, extremely well-adjusted and they have such tremendously bright futures. I mean, look at me. Um, the, like the one-parent lifestyle uh, is definitely my thing and I'm in uni, I'm healthy, I'm happy. I've even got my own podcast. You should go look it up. Um, 
I don't do drugs and I barely drink coffee. Um, well, okay, I, I take a lot of sugar, but I mean, we all gotta have something. Um, but there have been studies that have been empirical in their nature. Uh, they've been scientific, unbiased, and they've managed to generalize their findings reasonably well across cultures that um, I really worked hard to sift through. Um, I wanted to make sure that these weren't just isolated studies that were looking at uh, certain communities or certain uh, groups of people from random places on the planet. I wanted to kind of make it relevant to us here in Ireland. Or, you know, I guess if you're listening from somewhere else. But um, what's somewhat concerning, though, is that in psychological research on child development, before 1970, or before, the, I guess, the late 1970s, uh, fathers were not included, uh, which is crazy. All like all of the focus on how children grow up from birth to, I guess, early adulthood, all the focus was on how mothers raise them and how the mother's behavior or parenting style impacted how quickly, uh, oh gosh, like how quickly children reach milestones like walking, talking, critical thinking and um, how adolescent and emotional or behavioral disorders were linked to the actions of the mother. Uh, sounds pretty Freudian, maybe uh, there was a lot of old-fashioned influence there, but um, a lot of experts, including um, Vicky Fairs, I think I'm pronouncing her second name right, but um, she was instrumental, uh, in my humble opinion, in guiding the winds of change in psychology to including fathers in studies. Um, but, you know, even then, it wasn't until the late 90s that non-sexist research was being done. And when I say non-sexist, I mean that, uh, well, for one, fathers were included and women weren't given sole credit for well-adjusted children and they weren't also given the blame for maladjusted children. I mean, when you, if you think about mothers, um, like in a two-parent family, uh, it's not fair that if a child grow up to, grows up to be like an astronaut, can't say, oh, that was all the mother. Uh, also, if the child grows up to be like a terrorist or something, you can't give sole blame to the mother either. That's that's very, very sexist. And anybody who is a parent in a two-parent family will know that if there's two of you in it, it's a team effort to raise a child. And simply because one parent may be, uh, quote unquote, the breadwinner and may spend a lot of time away from home, leaving one parent to be with the kids, that doesn't mean that they input zero parenting, all right? Like, in Ireland alone, um, sorry, my voice is a little bit raspy today, but um, in Ireland alone, there are over 10,000 stay-at-home dads uh, who spend nine to five, Monday to Friday, with the kids. And still, as of today, there are so few resources available to fathers on how to be better parents. Um, resources that are backed by psychological theory and practice. Which is strange when you consider how many resources and theories of parenting that are available to mothers. Um, like if you Google how to be a better parent, very quickly you're going to see books and magazine articles on how to be a good mother. You know, it's really not geared towards fathers. It's slowly changing. But uh, this slow pace, I'd kind of put down to the lack of inclusion in research that fathers have met in the past, which is, you know, pretty sad, but at least it's changing. Um, 
Hey, enough about historical injustices. The question is, what do fathers actually bring to the table in terms of value when it comes to parenting? Um, many studies have shown that kids who have involved fathers, regardless of whether they're working 9 to 5 or weekends or whatever, kids with involved fathers report receiving academic support from their father figure. Uh, and in many families where both parents value education for their kids and want them to succeed academically, in most cases the father tends to have higher expectations for the child than the mother, uh, particularly if the father is well educated himself. Uh, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, obviously high expectations uh, can be crippling if they're too high, um, but conversely if expectations are too low, um, or not there at all, suddenly there's, um, there's almost no compass for your child. Um, you know, children have their own minds and their own personalities and they should choose their own paths. Um, but at the same time, they need something of a guiding factor. So therefore, uh, fathers can serve a mentor role as well as mothers, um, but fathers can do this as well, um, where they guide their children through their schoolwork, just as a, a quick example. Um, they also found that uh, sensitive fathers who respect their children's values and who communicate effectively with them have kids who find it easier to develop and maintain strong, secure relationships with others as a result of having better communication skills and a sense of empathy themselves. Um, again, this is all in terms of probability. <laughs> so if you feel your own father may not have communicated well with you or at all, but you're doing fine. Yeah, I agree and relate. Um, this is all in terms of likelihood. Uh, what I managed to gather from reading a bunch of these studies is that uh, fathers can positively impact their children's development and personality, I guess, even when they're not there. Uh, or I should say, when they're not, <laughs> when they're non-resident. Um, or if there are just some circumstances whereby they're not fully available as much as the mother is or the primary caregiver, I guess. So in other words, uh, it doesn't so much matter the quantity of involvement, rather the quality of involvement. Uh, so a father can still instill communication skills. Um, they can still... <laughs> I, sorry, I, I'm repeating myself here. But they can give their children values positive self-esteem um, while teaching them to maintain these qualities even if it's not on a constant basis or on a regular basis. Um, if we bring it back to Star Wars, Obi-Wan only had like what, three days with Luke Skywalker? Pretty sure it was just over the span of less than a week. Um, and look how Luke turned out, you know, complete self-confidence in his ability to overcome powerful enemies or obstacles. He had integrity. He didn't sell out to the dark side to save his own skin, and um, towards the end, I know this didn't happen in this movie, but towards the end, he even forgave his real, absent, um, murderous, genocidal father and comforted him in death. So I guess, regardless of whether you have an involved father in your life, many of us will go through life with many other father-type figures or paternal figures who we look up to for guidance, um, people who we trust, um, who we may be attracted to. I'm talking like, um, excellent example would be coaches. 
Um, I saw a few of the Olympic um, events, not many of them, but I, I guess I saw a couple of them. And I saw the, the interactions between some of the athletes and their coaches. And, you, you know, if you didn't know any better, you'd think that there was like um, like a fatherly or, or even a motherly um, type of a relationship going on there. So I guess people like coaches, teachers, um, people who may not be your, your real father, but they carry out the duties of a parent, like uh, maybe a grandparent or an uncle. Um, Luke Skywalker, coming back to Revenge of the Sith, had two key father figures. I guess three if you count his foster father, but he had Obi-Wan Kenobi that guided him through the revelations that he was the son of a Jedi, that he would be the one to vanquish the most powerful person in the galaxy. And he also had Yoda, who gave him the skills and I guess the physique and the training to de- to defeat his foes. So in a way, these guys were like coaches. Um, and Luke got very attached to these men, these paternal figures. Um, he mourned Obi-Wan when he was ironically murdered by his real father. And he was there to comfort Yoda in his last moments as well. So I guess a big consequence of an absent father, which has been shown to produce those, you know, those scary statistics, like an increased likelihood of aggression. Um, You're more likely to be incarcerated. You're more likely to abuse substances. The harsh reality for many people is that if they don't have a father figure or a father um, to input parenting, they'll find a father figure elsewhere. So there's like this, there's this old saying, if, if, there, if you can't find your father at home, you'll find a father in the streets. I know that's, that's kind of an old-fashioned, um, anachronistic sort of saying, but hey, look at Mike Tyson, right? Perfect example. He didn't know his father. Uh, he grew up in a rough neighborhood, and he happened to come across the opportunity to box, and he was mentored by a very famous coach, Cus D'Amato, who trained former heavyweight champions, and even said in his later life that Cuss was like a father to him. You know, he was lucky, uh, actually, to have found a good father figure because, look, let's face it, it's uh, it's not a great world out there. Um, many people out there are pretty bad role models. Um, I guess pretty bad father figures as well. Um, and these father figures don't have to have like a generational gap in years between them and whoever looks up to them. There might only be a few years difference between them. But if these father figures have poor values, um, if they have behavioral issues, uh, if they're impulsive or violent, the person who associates them or compares them to a father figure is more likely to adopt those same behaviors themselves. It's like peer pressure in a way, but like um, parental peer pressure. (laughs) <laughs> and and even in the world of Star Wars, it's like the Wild West out there, but in space. Like you've got, um, I'm trying to think of all the characters. Okay, you've got desert raiders that enslave people. You've got uh, a giant slug um, gangster who feeds people to a dinosaur. Um, you've got more bounty hunters than you can count on one hand. Opportunists and traitors and smugglers at every point. Um, Star Wars... I guess could have gone a very different way if Luke had managed to get himself mentored by uh, one of these types of folks, of which there are many. Um, but, but okay, one thing I actually wanted to mention, and I'm trying to squeeze everything in here. 
I'd like to talk a little bit about balancing work life and family life from the point of view um, of a person who knows absolutely nothing about work and nothing about being a parent. You know, I think I'm quite an authority to talk on these points, but um, I read, I guess, and I learn about things in my own little way. Um, I feel, I feel that there's a vicious circle when it comes to this, because on the one hand, it would be nice to stay at home and spend time with your loved ones and watch those intimate, uh, memorable moments like first steps or your child's new words, moments that are fewer and more rare to see when you're gone for the large part of the day or the week, you know, you, you miss these things when you're working. Um, when kids are especially young, they wake up early and they go to bed early, where most working adults wake up early and then come home late. Or if they're home in time, they're home for two hours and then the kids have to go to bed. So these moments that are missed, they add up. And the parent who's working, it may be both parents who are working, these moments start to get missed. Uh, or both parents, I guess, yeah. Um, but then on the other hand, raising kids is, is tough, you know. Uh, babies sleep, what is it, like 16, 17 hours a day, but they don't do that in a row. Sometimes they're awake and screaming the house down at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Um, then there's the tantrums. And uh, the general stress, I guess, of just caring for another living, helpless human being. You can't leave them alone or they'll fiddle with the... Uh, I have here airplanes, but it's appliances. <laughs> they'll fiddle with the appliances. Um, they'll electrocute themselves. You know, you can barely go to the bathroom. You can't make phone calls to your insurance company or whatever um, because there's kids howling into the phone's microphone. Then there's feeding them, taking them out for walks. Look, you know, kids are hard work. And I know this for a fact because I used to be one. The only difference is I was about as smart as I am now as I was then. So I don't know, that makes me advanced, I guess, for my age back then. <laughs> uh, interestingly, um, I, I came across this. This is hilarious, but a bunch of men were asked in the US recently within the past four or five years that if money wasn't an issue, would they be a stay at home dad? And 52% still said they would prefer to work full time. Uh, I think 30% compromised with part time work and only 16% said they would be a stay at home dad, which isn't actually far off the, uh, the low proportion of stay at home dads in Ireland. So even if they were millionaires, they'd still prefer to go out and work rather than stay at home. Um, coming back to the idea of positive parenting, not having to be constant for good outcomes. So like the whole quality over quantity, um, that doesn't just apply to fathers, but it applies to mothers as well. Um, the whole myth that kids can only be best parented by one type of parent over the other is just that, it's a myth. Um, a study looking at family dynamics of stay-at-home dads in 2014 showed definitively that children could have excellent communication with their fathers, they had huge trust in their fathers, a strong attachment with their fathers, and even though their mothers were working and spent less time with them, they still had secure attachments with them as well. And I think it's such a great study because it shows that fathers can raise children really well, despite having fewer parenting resources available, and despite the, um, the social stigma 
that is associated with being a stay-at-home dad. And in this case, it's just another one of those stupid gender roles that are long overdue for kick out the door. We've seen, and it's been tested, that men can make great fathers, fathers can make excellent parents, as can women and mothers as well. So my question is, why not encourage more men to be stay-at-home dads? Um, the study that I mentioned just a second ago made a lot of interesting points about the negative effects of these gender roles and I guess the expectation uh, of society to push you into a lifestyle that's not congruent with your own wishes uh, or your wishes aren't congruent with the gender role um, decided by generations of changes within one society. Um, it's been shown to that it can lead to a huge amount of negative stress and anxiety and unfortunately I might be able to talk about this a little bit later on but unfortunately men and women are socialized and conditioned in a way from a young age to behave in ways that conform to their gender that they're assigned at birth and stay-at-home dads have reported the stress and inner tension they feel while just doing good work and raising kids at home and if you look at typically traditionalist countries um, I'm trying to think like okay Japan excellent example you have men staying at home to raise kids while their significant other works. That's almost non-existent. Stay-at-home dads in Japan are extremely rare. So much so to the point where new policy was introduced to encourage stay-at-home dads. Um, not many people know this, but Japan has one of the most attractive paternity leave options for dads in the world. Um, don't quote me on this, I'm pretty sure that fathers can take a whole year off work when their child is born to take care for them, all the while getting paid. So they get a paid years off to work at home and raise the kids. But only 6% of fathers actually take it. And of that 6%, most of them only take two weeks off. I mean, that's absolutely crazy because to me, wouldn't you take a year off work to be at home with your kids? and get paid. Um, unfortunately, the reasons aren't that men hate children, as I think a lot of people would be very quick to say, oh, look at these Japanese guys, you know, they, they, they won't last longer than two weeks at home. They obviously hate the home and hate children. No. In fact, uh, Japanese men who were interviewed back in this study in 2019 um, as part of a sociology project confessed that they felt afraid to leave the workplace for too long in case they they would get demoted when they got back. And when this study was taking place, there were active lawsuits going on in Japan by fathers against their companies who had demoted them after they took paternity leave. So there's another second uh, vicious cycle, this uh, stigma against stay-at-home dads. Um, sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't, eh? Granted, it might not be everywhere, um, Japan is a very specific country I'm talking about, but if you look more into this, and I highly encourage you do, you'll find that there are actually very few countries that don't in some way or another punish stay-at-home dads, or at the very least stigmatize it. So the fact of the matter is, changing policy or changing laws is a half-assed way to enact change. Uh, more has to be done to fix this, to release the burden off of women to raise kids, allow more women into the workplace, activate men's capacity to parent, support their decision to be stay-at-home dads, and to finally be done with this nonsense that fathers don't make as good a parent as mothers. 
Um, in my mind, even though I haven't experienced this personally, being born under a certain sex or identifying as one gender or the other doesn't make you any more or less qualified to raise children, right? Your perspective and your mentality is all that matters. Um, but yeah, I don't know how we got here, but I guess I should try and figure out how to get back to Star Wars now. We sort of fell down a well and we're trying to get out. But anyway, uh, for any father who considers paternity leave or becoming a stay-at-home dad, uh, it's very important that it's not out of a desire to avoid work or to be paid to do nothing. Uh, being a parent is a job in and of itself. We can argue as to how difficult it is. Personally, I believe it depends on the number of kids you have and I suppose their temperament. Um, but fathers, fathers need to understand that they're effectively working not for money, but for their children's future. Um, the simple act of unconditionally supporting your child or showing you listen and care for them, that you value their input or ideas and personalities can have a massively overwhelming outcome years into the future. And while being a brilliant parent doesn't always guarantee a child who wins a Nobel Peace Prize, uh, being an involved good parent certainly increases the likelihood that they themselves, like your children, will have better adult relationships, um, that they'll have better friendships, that they'll do well in education, that they'll have a career that they're satisfied with, and that they're going to continue that good streak of parenting. In one way or another, it's sort of like setting off a domino chain and you as a parent decide how the tiles fall, face up or face down. I suppose, you know, look, have fun along the way. Like, don't be a Darth Vader and cut yourself off from your child's lives because it's so sad to see how many fathers are out there doing what a toxic society expects them to do while not even knowing their child's best friend's name or their child's favorite color. Definitely, I suppose, don't use a giant uh, lightsaber to slice off their hand either um, in an effort to guide them towards something that you feel would be better for them. And look, that goes for mothers as well. Love your kids. Don't listen to everything Yoda says. You know, he has this quote, do or do not. There is no try. That's stupid. Of course, try as a parent. Try and make the best effort that you can. Uh, wow, okay, uh, I think we're at the end of this episode now. I think you can tell I'm very passionate about this topic. Um, our first suggestion movie went excellently, in my opinion. For anyone who thinks they can get me to be even more passionate about a topic, please choose a movie wisely, submit it through the podcast's Instagram, available to follow at your leisure. And yeah, that's it for today. Next week, we'll look at Blade Runner can't wait to do that so i'm gonna sign off i'll see you next saturday and may the force be with you i guess <laughs>